our e-team is working well because it all syncs together. We have all the services available. The linkages are fantastic and it works behind the scenes with the clients that are referred through our our network and continual ongoing professional services around the clients. And I love Sydney and I'm right into every aspect of it. So no, I really want to share that knowledge. Welcome to another episode in our series, Moving to Expat Land. This week, my guest is Scott Douglas, co-founder and director of IMFG. Scott specializes in helping individuals with planning around their wealth strategies, and in particular, those globally mobile expats that have cross-border issues. Good morning, Scott. Thanks for joining us. Morning, John. Pleased to be here. So please tell us a bit about you and, and where you grew up. Yeah, so John, I was born in Sydney and I grew up on the north side of Sydney and I originally, once leaving school, studied commerce and accounting and background is chartered accounting and I've gathered a particular interest in global citizens and their needs. From there, I moved into wealth management and advice and I've spent several years living in other countries, including working in Singapore for a long time. We'll chat more about your journey to Singapore, but uh, tell us... What took you out of chartered accounting and into wealth advisory? You weren't having enough fun in chartered accounting? <laughs> well, I did actually enjoy chartered accounting and I was on the tax side and I enjoyed the client relationship and helping people resolve their plans. And I guess it was just a natural fit that I understood everything from investments to superannuation to debt and those types of things. And I wanted to focus more on working out with people what their end goals were and how they create financial independence and realising that, you know, we're all in the same boat trying to achieve outcomes where when we can reliably generate an income for ourselves and not be dependent on someone else. And so I moved into wealth management. I also found that there was a lot of people who lived in Tokyo and Hong Kong. And the biggest thing that they used to say to me is that if only I could get some advice in what to do with the money that I'm making over here and, and where to put it and what country to keep it in. Yeah. It was a huge gap in the market. My original business was called Identity Wealth and it was because a lot of expats don't identify themselves or they can't, they've got no identity where they are. They wanted to sort of obtain that and it worked it ties in well with tax advice and tax planning, which is something that was fulfilled by yourself and I guess it evolved through there. So let's go back and chat on that point about identity because I think that's interesting. So one of the things that obviously happens is you move to a place like Singapore and you could be Australian, Canadian, British, German. So touch on that identity piece for us because I think probably that resonates with a lot of expats who might turn up into a foreign location. Yeah, I think expats go into a new country and I found that a lot of them really didn't know where home was or was going to be in the future. They're all on this rolling two-year, I'm here for the next two years, but they stay for 20. If you ask them how do they, where are they sort of going to end up or what are they going to, what does it look like, the future look like, a lot of them couldn't really shape that in a way that was meaningful. And a lot of them have difficulty identifying, working out, you know, what is their home base, what is their tax jurisdiction, where do they place their wealth? Like, And that's the biggest challenge that so many of them have is, 
Do I move money back to my home country? And you meet these very long-term expats and often they're they grew up as an expat child. Their parents were also expats and they don't know where to call home because they've moved around the world. Yes. So your time as an expat, when you first left our shores, did you go through some of that? Definitely. Depending on how you go into these countries, I mean, I was fortunate enough to go on a global mobility program, but the vast majority of people don't unless you're working for a multinational. And I found to access all those services, like just simple things of starting up a bank account and getting things organized in home country, in the country you've moved to, as well as shutting down or transitioning what you've got where you come from, accessing those services wasn't really that easy mm. because you make a quick decision on particularly banking. You know, you would go and um, open an account and then realise it's a local bank or it doesn't have the facilities that you need. And, I, yeah, I, I had a lot of issues there. It is difficult and it's actually for families in particular hard because housing and education are the two priorities. And getting that sorted out is a big thing. So I experienced that myself and I can see that happens when people come here to Australia if they don't have that set up in advance or have the right access to information. They can make a, a bad decision which will impact them whilst they're here. Look, I think that's a very good point. And a jurisdiction like Singapore, which is a very favourable tax regime, contrasts with a high-tax country like Australia. So when you came back to Sydney, and obviously you're from Sydney, but what was it like coming back and establishing a business back in Sydney and then seeing the difference between the type of expat centre you were in coming back to a more non-expat heavy country? Because we don't have as high a proportion of expats in Australia that they do in Singapore. So maybe just touch on that change. Well, establishing a business here in Australia is possibly, firstly, the attraction of the tax benefits and setting up is nothing like what you obtain in a tax-friendly environment like a Singapore. There's a lot of, I guess, red tape, which there is in Singapore as well and other, other jurisdictions. The expats here in Sydney and the ones I've dealt with, for me, it's easy. If you're an Australian coming back into Australia and you've lived offshore, then you might have changes in cost of living and the way everything is run and the property market's gone doubled while you've been away. <laughs> yes, and, it has. Or tripled. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I mean, interestingly, that's the challenge for the expats coming to Australia, yeah. the Americans and the Brits and all that coming out here mm. who happily go and rent a nice apartment and a property thinking, you know, this is really good and they live a nice lifestyle. And then when they realise they might actually stay here longer term, mm -hmm. And if they haven't thought about how they're going to live and what their property situation is, they get a rude shock. You've described a bit about how you help people, but what does IMFG focus on? What type of client? How can you help an expat on the way in? Yeah, okay, John. Ideally, we would meet the person before they've actually left to go on an assignment overseas or work. But generally, what we do is initially understand the client and what their objectives are in terms of their timing and how much capital they need to fund their cost of living and or employment income. So the type of person that we, we're really interested in helping or can help as a business is someone who has clear 
objectives or we can work with around how they want to structure their finances going forward and we can help them place the right structures set up the right structures whether it be super whether it be a trust it be debt like setting up all of that to fund their cost of living now while they're still working and when they choose to retire wherever that may be and it could be overseas and they're funded through tax-free income streams in the future well most people that I've met, and I think it's fair to say, couldn't tell you what their weekly budget is, but somehow the money comes in and it seems to go. So if I'm you know, coming into Sydney, I think I might be here for four or five years and then I'm going to go again. Maybe you could just touch on where do I put my money for such a short-term time horizon when I'm planning to go back to Frankfurt or Brussels or London? I guess, firstly, as you're saying, like they need to know where their spending is going to go, and it's not a difficult process to understand that. And that surplus net wealth, in my opinion, needs to be channeled to where they think their future retirement assets or location will be. And they need, generally speaking, a better to work a plan around investing assets either in the future country they're going to be in, or if that is Australia. We would recommend that they set up, depending, and it's very dependent on their age and their timeframes, they are most likely better off setting up a portfolio just in their own names, possibly in the most tax-efficient person's names. Often you'll get it at people that have two different country backgrounds and you really need to work with the one. You need to invest and hold their funds in the one that's going to have the least tax imposition so particularly americans we have a lot we normally try and keep it out of the the name of of the american because they've got to submit tax returns over in the u.s what is it about the expert land global network that made you and imfg want to join the an e-team so we've been as i was saying earlier dealing with expats and global citizens for a number of years but there was nothing was bringing it together we were sort of, I guess, providing our solo wealth side and working on the tax side with the likes of yourselves. But there was nothing bringing the whole experience together. It was a very easy decision because it put everything on the one platform and place. I know on the Sydney E-team we have Rich Harvey, but how do you work with someone like a Rich who's a buyer's agent? Maybe you could touch on that. Yeah. Well, John, that's actually a very useful aspect in part because people don't know where to buy what to buy i've worked closely with rich for years and when particularly before they come to australia or still working overseas a buyer's agent is the most useful person you could possibly have given it's one of the biggest assets you'll ever buy in a city that you don't know and i i personally wouldn't go and buy in any city that i didn't know without proper research and likewise, when people invest in, in shares and funds, they have an analyst that looks at the, the type and the quality. If you're buying in Australia, and whether it's for investment purpose or your own home, the, the value add that a property buyer can create for the cost is way higher because you can make a very expensive mistake, particularly if you're not familiar with places and you might pay 100000 more than you probably needed to. And I guess it also saves time. It helps people understand where they should live, what they should buy, what are the areas to buy in. We should do a shout-out to Alicia Inglis, who's done an earlier version of this podcast. So uh, she and Scott work well together. Yeah. 
So to get non-residents who have various issues around that over the line, so Alicia has the skills and experience and knowledge and knows how to work with the various banks to enable them to borrow money, particularly when, you, when you're a foreign passport holder. It's not the normal process. So Alicia's able to do that. And that would be, that's the next step once you've identified how much you're going to spend on a property and the loan side. And the other part of it is the legal side. So we work with Steve, who's... Steve Nazarian. Yep, he's a... Steve Nazarian. Nazarian lawyers. Yeah, good guy. Yeah, so he will manage, the, personally manage the process and the conveyancing side, which is also yeah. tricky. We recently had a client who we worked with that bought a very expensive property up in the north coast of New South Wales, and Steve did an amazing job in May. And this person was living over in the US, and Steve's helped this person get through the myriad of issues that needed to be dealt with. So that's all part of it. In our e-team in Sydney, our e-team is working well because it all syncs together. We have all the services available and everyone in the team. The removalists are tied in with the, the visa providers. The linkages are fantastic and it works behind the scenes with the clients that are referred through our our network and continual ongoing professional services around the clients for the time they're here. And if they go back to another country, then we work with where they're returning to E-Team, whether it may be LA or wherever in the US or in the UK. And that is sort of handed over to the relevant people in those ones. And so the main thing for us is that the client has an experience, their broader needs are met and that they're not just running around and trying to find the different services that work together. Why do you like working with expats coming to Sydney, Scott? I like working with expats coming to Sydney because I personally have had a wealth of experience in growing up and living in Sydney and I know what it's like and how to live here and be working here. I know how to run a business here. I've also worked overseas. I'm a big advertisement for Australia and Sydney, and I mean, I love Sydney, and I'm right into every aspect of it. Good. So I'm probably a good promoter. So no, I really want to share that knowledge. And for someone who's might have visited once or twice and is about to move, what do you think some of the highlights Sydney has to offer for an expat? I think the number one highlights lifestyle and where and how you live. The highlights, it's a city that you can actually enjoy depending on what you like doing, but if you like the outdoors, you like the beach, you like the harbour. And those lifestyle choices that you want to have actually are really important to get right. So, you know, you can live in so many parts of Sydney and when you're not working, you can have a very awesome lifestyle that doesn't cost a lot of money, whether it be being down at the beach, being on the harbour or walking around the Blue Mountains, those types of activities are available and they're so close to work. I mean, you can, my highlights is I go for a swim and a surf most mornings of the week and, and I'm at my desk in the city at 8.30 having done that. And where normally other parts of the world you can do that. So Scott, what do you think some of the challenges are for an expat moving to Sydney for the first time? Well, the challenges, John, the practical challenges of living in Sydney as a city, like there are with other cities, but some of the challenges are that I guess our public transport system isn't really 
that great in some parts of Sydney. And the challenges are that people don't know where to live and they may choose a place that doesn't suit their needs for their work and their kids' education. Some of the challenges are education and what schools kids go to and getting them in. And they don't realise that if their kids, they want to send kids to a, um, a private school that they have to put their name down at birth um, <laughs> for most of That's a long time ago yeah. <laughs> in many situations. Yeah. And if they haven't worked out that they're coming to Sydney, it's pretty hard to go back four years and That's right. put a name down. Yeah, but for families that are coming here, education and schooling is always a big challenge because often there is not a school that they would or be able to send their kids to in the area they're in. And I guess the other challenges are things like, you know, just health and health services and getting those sort of things set up, like just making sure that you qualify and meet for like health insurance and the minimum requirement periods and going to see doctors and medical. That can be a bit of a challenge. That's an Australia-wide thing, but just making sure that you're set up in a way that if something you need, it doesn't become an issue medically. I mean, financially, I guess if they come to us, we can help them, but there is challenges around setting up bank accounts and setting up super funds and getting through all the different rules and regulations to make sure you don't stuff that up. Yeah, our tax system too has its own degree of complexity, which obviously CST tax, which is one of the group leaders on the Sydney E-team, can help people with. But yeah, I think our tax system also has quite a few considerations when you're moving into Australia. And it's good uh, you've come from a tax background, so you can help people spot some of those tax issues also. Well, maybe I could ask you from a cultural perspective, what are some of the observations you'd like to share with an expat about Aussies making friends and settling into Australia? Yeah, so, well, my observations are, I mean, Australians are very welcoming. They make it quite easy. They're chatty. They're friendly, generally speaking. I think the group or the parts, like any city or anywhere, where you settle into can make a big difference. And my advice would be is to identify what your needs. If you're a professional couple and you have no children or an individual and you go and live in a suburban area that's 40 minutes away from where everything happens in Sydney, you're probably not going to find it that easy. If you're a young family, then you need to go where those in those areas because Sydney is not a Singapore or, or Hong Kong and those cities where you can sort of get around from one side of it to the other. So people generally are fairly welcoming, but it's not that easy for some people in terms of, you know, Australians can have their own groups, their own friends. And unless you join a club or like a surf club or, or a some other type of interest group, it can be challenging. It, it, Sydney is not set up like Singapore, Hong Kong, Tokyo, Shanghai, and even London. Sydney is not set up for expats from a, that whole social setting. And it's quite different than when, if you land in Singapore and Hong Kong and those cities, there is specific groups, sports groups, interest groups, kids groups, and associations that people attach themselves to straight away. So thank you. Away from work, Scott, what are some of the things you like to do when you're not at the office? I guess activity-based things, including I surf a lot, ocean swim quite a lot. I ski. I've just been skiing last week. I mean, you can hop, the amazing thing in Sydney, you can have a surf in the morning and you can hop in your car and go down and ski That's brilliant. In, the, in the mountains. I do a lot of motorbike riding, country motorbike riding. I've been in the Blue Mountains last week as well. 
walking around doing a lot of hopefully you're insured you know uh, for the motorbike yeah, ride. Sure. Ride, ride i do that ride. and i also try and you know look after my kids and do those sorts of things i'm never short of things to do in sydney if you have a, a zest for life and you can eat out and you can it's a wonderful city in terms of things to do and what's next for you and imfg well for us is we're going to continue doing what we do which we're good at and our next stage is really continuing to grow working with expat land and the e-team through being the i guess the known advisors to people who are globally mobile and we're continuing to enhance our business model to ensure that it can be delivered universally and it's very exciting there's a growing need people need to be able to access to those services in a quality way that works smoothly for them. And where we've now got a, a team of 10 advisors, we're based around different parts of Australia as well. So we're continuing to do that and keeping on top of what are the most effective strategies and approach that people need to be aware of when they come in or out of Australia. And that's forever changing. That's always changing and keeping ahead of it. So, Scott, how can listeners on today's podcast engage with you and IMFG? Probably the best way to engage is just going through expat land, Sydney, and accessing us as part of that wealth member of the team. They can click on the wealth part or contact the, the um, head of the team for that service. They can also, I guess, go through our website, www.imfg.com.au. We'd be very happy to um, have an initial discussion. There's no cost involved we, for initial meetings. We work on a fixed fee, no commission basis. So it's a flat engaged fee that's quoted up front before we provide any specific advice. And often there's a couple of meetings where there's not any written advice before we establish what we're actually doing. Then we work on a fixed fee. And it's important that people know that. Which is... Uh very good to hear that it's a transparent process so i think look it's been a great opportunity to speak with you today thank you for sharing your time to all our listeners scott's a true professional one of the best specialists in the area in australia so i urge you to reach out to him during the planning phase of coming down under thanks again for your time scott been a pleasure thanks john that was great thank you thank you all for listening to us today we look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to showcase how our members can help you move overseas. My name is John Macarian, and I'm always ready to hear from you with any questions that you have. Please contact me via our website, expatland.com. Enjoy the journey.